hello. This is Stella with LX2 Codependency Coaching, and we are recording live on Instagram at Luna underscore X2 underscore LLC. Um, I was telling everybody on Instagram that we had a great walk this morning. I am taking both dogs now. So a St. Bernard, who is, I think he's about two, two and a half, um, and then Ignacio, who is a Chewini. So very large dog, very tiny dog. Um, but we did 2.7 miles, seven, nine miles this morning and, um, they're doing great. They are actually really, uh, well leash trained and the leave it command works really nicely for the most part. Um, I'm usually dragging, uh, Bernie, the St. Bernard, he does not drag me. So there's that water. I have been thinking about this topic, um, since earlier this week and it's really interesting because as most of you know, like I will get a little nugget of something either in a session or in a conversation with a friend and then I'm like, Oh, I should talk about that. Um, and so I was having a conversation with a client. And so we were talking about, you know, interactions with humans. And I, I use the phrase often, like this is a me problem. That is a you problem or that's not a me problem. <laughs> and it's really helpful to start to recognize um, and I, I've used this kind of method often when talking with clients, um, when they're kind of perseverating on someone else's issue. And, uh, and I'm like, that's, that's not a you problem. That's a them problem. Or, uh, you know, that is something that is not for you to fix, solve, or address. And oftentimes, um, what I did not even like think about was that when we have this idea of, you know, that is not a you problem. Um, often some of us have uh, kind of developed this concept that I am the problem. Um, and so I was thinking about it because, you know, when I was growing up, I was always trying to, trying to fix the problem. Um, but I remember, and I've shared with you guys in the past, especially when my daughter was younger, um, you know, she was kind of uh, pokey. She would move really slowly. She still kind of does. Uh, time is not her friend. And uh, I would be like, what is wrong with you? <laughs> Which is not helpful, obviously, to tell a child what is wrong with you. Uh, because what they internalize is something is wrong with me. Um, and so thinking about this idea of not a you problem is often we have internalized I am the problem. Consequently, I have the responsibility to fix the problem. Uh, that's not always the case. So when we make that distinction of this is a me problem, that is a you problem, um, and I do have, you know, humans now running all over the place going, that's not a me problem, uh, <laughs> which can be triggering and unhelpful for some of our relationship dynamics. Um, but when we internalize, I am the problem, then we start to recognize that we have to fix the problem, whatever the problem is. If there is a problem, it is a me problem and I have to fix the problem. And so we're running around kind of putting out fires that aren't our fires. Um, and a lot of times we will bear the responsibility. I did say responsibility, not guilt for whatever the challenge or issue is happening. Um, I do find that very curious, right? And so when, when clients come into my space to be like, okay, all of these things are happening with these people that I care about, how do I fix it? Um, you know, often I will ask, did they ask you to fix it? And it's, it's a little jarring for, for people sometimes. Cause they're like, no, sometimes they're just talking about stuff and 
in our brain and certainly from like an empathetic or overly empathetic space, we feel as though we need to address it, right? We need to alleviate the discomfort. And a lot of times it's because we're uncomfortable. The discomfort is ours. Um, you know, when people are, are venting or just talking about like whatever's going on, we have this empathetic reaction of like, oh my God, that must feel so awful. Oh, I can't imagine that would be really terrible. Or, or if you've had that experience, like, I understand that that is really uncomfortable when it has happened to me. But when we address or, you know, address things from that empathetic space, what we are doing is robbing someone of the opportunity to fix their own issue. And a lot of times, because we are such empathetic, caring people, we jump in and try to alleviate the discomfort. Again, it's, it might be that other person is having discomfort or frustration or a difficult time, but they're not asking. And so when we go in and intervene, we are not giving them the opportunity to, to build resilience or to build skill. Um, I talk often about giving people tools because that is my job, because I don't, I mean, I, I can be like, tell me how that makes you feel, but often when people come to talk about challenges or issues or things they're going through, um, yes, having an empathetic ear is helpful, but also then they come in with like, how do I fix it? What, what do I do? And you know, I can't go home with them to like fix it for them. That is not my job. Um, but I can give them the tools. Right. And so this client that I was speaking with about that, that is a you problem. Um, you know, they've been my client for a while and I haven't seen them for a long time. Um, and we talked about how they have really come a very long way from when we met, uh, initially. And, you know, what they said was, I would not have been able to do this without your help. And I was like, well, thank you so much. But also I was like, my job is truly to give you the tools. Oftentimes clients will come in and they just have the one tool. They're just like, I'm going to hit everything with a hammer and sometimes it'll work and sometimes it won't. Um, but when you have an arsenal or a complete you know, shed of different tools or modalities or skills to be able to address an issue, then you have a lot more resources to be able to fix the challenge. That said, if we are often going in and rescuing people and not giving them either the tools to empower them to fix it themselves or um, the trust to be able to address the challenge or issue themselves, then they don't know how to fix anything. That is um, difficult because then, you know, we've got to not be in their presence or space and they still have challenges or issues that come up because that's how the world works. The world will often give us challenges or difficult situations to address them. But if we have often fixed things for people, they don't know how to fix them. Uh, and what it becomes is then they become dependent on us to fix things. And I was, you know, talking with another person who was really kind of frustrated because they were not feeling well and they hadn't, you know, been able to go to work in a while. And um, they feel indispensable, like they cannot leave, you know, their their um, employer in the lurch in that way. And it's interesting to me because I do think about this idea of being indispensable. Um, when I got ready to leave and I closed down my practice, often people were like, what are your clients going to do? 
Well, they'll figure it out. They have, a, one, a lot of tools because that has been my job and privilege to be able to give people a lot of tools. And I'm not the only therapist on the planet, like truly. Um, they'll be able to figure it out. And so in giving them the skills and tools to be able to move forward, what I did was I gave them a list of other therapists and agencies in the area, I reminded them, hey, we have talked about all of these things and these are tools and skills you have. I know that because you use them when we talk about them. So you don't need me, right? I am very skilled and good at my job. And also I have given you all of the resources that you will need to be able to go forward without me. Often I, and, and, Truly, at the beginning of every session, um, you know, an initial session, I talk about how I do therapy, and I've shared that with you guys. I usually like to have four back-to-back -back sessions, load you up with tools and skills, we move to every two weeks, and then from two weeks we go to monthly, and then we're done. We talk about termination at the beginning, because when I was in school, we talked about we work ourselves out of a job on a regular basis, and... Uh, my best advertising is healthy, whole, healed people out in the world going, you know what? I had this great therapist <laughs> who did a great job. Um, but that idea of being indispensable and the only one who can fix the problems um, kind of puts us in a, in a disadvantage because then we are out there, you know, fixing and solving problems for all of these people that we care about and love, and they're not able to figure out their own problems. They're not able to figure out if this is a me problem, how do I fix it? And so that is really one of the beautiful gifts that we can give other people is the tools and skills to be able to empower them to fix their own problems so that when they run into a me problem, like, oh, this is mine to fix, or I have gotten myself in a circumstance that this is challenging and difficult, uh, then I know how to fix it. Or I know how to ask for my, you know, my people to support me in this way. Um, when I ask a client, did they ask for your help? They have to stop and think about it. Well, no, they were just telling me about the situation. And so they weren't asking you to fix it. They weren't asking you to, to support them or to, to address it. No, they, they were just telling me about it. Okay. All right. Well, then when you recognize that and I, and I do it often, right? So clients will come in and they'll be talking about, you know, somebody in their life um, is going through this difficult thing and it's really challenging. And, and then they say, I feel really drained or exhausted, like after I have these interactions. And then I don't know how to help them. I don't know how to help them. Um, or are they asking for your help? No, not necessarily. Or yes, they are. Um, do you have the resources to be able to help them? Yes, I do. Or no, I don't. Sometimes I don't have the capacity, right? Um, and so if it is not yours to manage or fix and you recognize I am not the problem, then you have to be able to, you know, with loving respect, detach from the outcome of that circumstance or situation. When I empower a client with the ability to discern whether or not this is a me problem or a you problem, then they start to go, oh, I have more space for me in, in these dynamics, in these relationships, to be able to manage my own resources, to be able to manage what I actually have the capacity to fix and address. And then they have the opportunity to figure that out for themselves, right? 
oftentimes clients will come to therapy and I've talked about it that, you know, clients come to therapy for people or about people that don't go to therapy, (laughs) Um, which is often the case, right? Often we will come in with these relationship dynamics that are challenging or difficult um, because that other person isn't coming. And so they're like, how do I manage the boundaries? How do I get them to do whatever it is I want them or not? I don't want them to do any longer. Um, You don't. It is not our job or responsibility to manage other people's behavior. It is our job and responsibility to manage our own. And so if we are in interactions or dynamics where the other person, it is their problem, uh, then, you know, we give them the opportunity to figure that out and we can extricate ourselves or reduce our expectations or detach from the outcome, recognizing I really want them to be successful. I really want them to be able to manage their feelings. I really want them to, you know, be able to to pass physics or do whatever they need to do. And it's not my job. It is not my problem to then take on the responsibility of managing that for them. It's very difficult sometimes when we feel as though uh, I, I don't feel comfortable or safe if my people are in distress. Understood. But it is also an opportunity then for us to be able to empower them to be able to manage their own things and recognize that oftentimes if they make the weather and they complain it's raining, those two things aren't helpful to our experience, right? I do talk often about how when we want to be in relationship with people, the boundary is being able to say, I recognize and see that you are having a feeling. I recognize and see that you are having a challenge. And if you need my support, I need you to ask for it. I was recently, um, I had a conversation with a friend of mine and, uh, you know, the conversation got kind of escalated and elevated. And so what they said was like, I trust you to be able to ask for what you need in this dynamic. Um, And it was a reminder to me that if I feel unseen, unheard, um, invalidated, that there's not space, I need to ask for it. And in the relationships that I am in, gratefully, um, I do have really great people that I trust to be able to say when I am struggling, not always, I do struggle at that still. <laughs> um, but again, like I, you know, like I've said before, I never come on and talk about things that I'm not actively working on. And so recognizing that if I am having a challenge, a struggle, or a difficult time, then I get to ask for support from those people that are not indispensable. I don't just have one. I have a whole team of humans that I can turn to if those are needs that I you know, need support with in getting them met. Now, oftentimes, and I've talked about it, like when we are codependent, um, one of the things is that we are not dependent on other people to do things for us. Um, We are hyper-independent, right? Um, Because in our family of origin or relationships where we didn't get our needs met, we have met those needs ourselves. That is that idea that I am the problem. I have to fix whatever it is, the dynamic that is making me uncomfortable. Oftentimes, um, we become hyper empathetic to whatever feelings are in the room because then we have to manage ourselves and the situation. And so we will become uh, very aware of other people's discomfort. And often in doing that, we want to fix it 
to make ourselves feel safe. But when we create that delineation of, well, wait, this is not mine to fix. I, I am not, I am not the problem. <laughs> um, then, you know, we can recognize that the other person can manage themselves and or might need support, but we have to give them the opportunity to ask for the support. If we rush in and address it or we rush in and we try to fix it, what I know to be true from the people on the other end is it feels overwhelming because it feels like I don't have the skills or the ability or they don't trust me to figure it out for myself. That's something to think about because often what we are doing is we are disempowering them. Like I said, we are robbing them of the opportunity to address the problem themselves. And if we do not give them the tools and skills to do that, we, we create their dependence on us. So back to this idea of being indispensable. Oftentimes in our jobs, you know, we are putting out fires constantly. We are doing all these extra things. But if something were to happen to us, which often does, right? We are fallible. We get sick. Or unfortunately, you know, we pass away or we get another job opportunity or whatever it is, then our, the organizations, their jobs that we work in, they're going to have to figure it out. Right. And so if I am running late or well, not me, but like, I definitely let clients know if I'm running late or something happens, you know, I have a flat tire or, um, you know, there's traffic or whatever. Like it's my job, my responsibility to text them and let them know. And then, you know, they have to figure out, okay, well then let's move it. Let's move the appointment. You know, I'm, I'm running 20 minutes late. We can start later. Um, or do we need to reschedule? Right. And so recognizing I am not indispensable. Like I said, I'm not the only therapist on the planet. I, there are lots of other skilled people who can help my clients manage things. And they did, like they were able to figure it out. A lot of my clients started with new therapists and that was awesome because then they were able to get a different perspective on whatever they were going through. And many of my clients were able to be like, I'm actually good right now. Like I can put a pause in, in treatment or whatever. Um, but did not make myself indispensable to those people. Um, they were able to get on with their lives and do their things. Did some of them come back? Absolutely. Um, but when I do therapy in that way, or, you know, even my relationships with like my daughter or anyone else, um, I want to be able to give them the resources to ask for their needs. I want to be able to give them the resources to recognize that there's more than one way to address the challenge or problem. Um, and in doing so, then they feel empowered. They feel more confident. They feel like, oh, cool. I know how to solve a new problem. I have a new skill or tool to be able to do these things in a way that helps me to be better at managing my crisis challenge or problem, right? I realize that, oh, this is mind effects and I know how, right? And, and really recognizing that like when people go through really challenging and difficult things, they are focused on the one thing that they are dealing with, right? We get very myopic and, and tunnel vision on like, this is the only thing that's happening. Um, the cool thing about therapy or, or being able to talk with someone else is they recognize, you remember how you went through that really hard thing like five years ago and you thought that was the hardest thing you're ever going to go through. And then you got through that thing. What skill did you use? How did you manage that? Right. I do that often with clients. Once I know the narrative or their history, then I can say, hey, remember when you went through that really hard thing five or seven years ago, and what did you do to that? What did you do with that challenge or problem, 
we can maybe apply some of those skills or tools here. We can go back into the shed and go, oh, here it is, that tool that I used that one time. And <clears throat> I can use it here. And so it's really helpful to be able to empower people with tools and skills to be able to manage things. Because what I know to be true about how life works is we get new challenges all the time. We get new experiences and circumstances to be able to you know, figure out how to, how to address that problem, how to address that challenge. And so as we continue to traverse through life, there are new issues, there are new challenges, there are new problems we never anticipated or expected. And if we're doing a good job of gathering new tools and skills, then we are able to address them without feeling so overrun or overwhelmed by the challenge, right? As long as you continue to empower the people that you love and you care about with tools and skills to be able to do things, then they get better at addressing those things. They do not become reliant on you to fix it or address it or change it. They, they, feel empowered. They're like, cool, I can do these things. Like I, and I know other people who know how to do things, right? Um, oftentimes when we are in loss or grief or struggling to kind of navigate whatever circumstance or challenge we're going through, we tend to forget. We tend to get, again, hyper-focused on this challenge that is right in front of me. And then we uh, maybe get distracted from things that we have done or resources or people that we knew. And so it's really helpful to then say, oh, I'm drowning over here. Um, but if someone is always going through a crisis and they're bringing their crisis to your door, this is your opportunity to go, that is not a me problem. And when you bring those things to me, um, it feels really draining and or it feels as though my only worth and value in this dynamic is what I can do for you and not who I am. So I will shut down. I will maybe not want to engage with you. Um, and I do recognize that like, when we set up that boundary, what I recognize is like people on the other side dealing with a them problem, uh, they'll find other resources to be able to get their needs met. And so you do not have to be the only option or opportunity to help someone in a crisis. Your, your ability to set that boundary or set that limit or extricate yourself or reduce the expectation then becomes your strength because then you can say, oh, I have more space for me in this dynamic because I don't have to fix or address or, you know, manage your problem or crisis. I get to trust that you can figure it out and fix it yourself. Um, I do refer to parenting often because that is where we have the most perceived responsibility in addressing challenges and issues, um, you know, for our littles. But, and if we give them the tools and skills to be able to do it, then it's really awesome to watch them go, wow, you figured out that challenge or problem on your own. I'm so proud of you, right? I am so grateful that you were able to figure out how to put on your pants at, you know, one leg at a time. <laughs> I'm really grateful that you were able to pass that test and you studied on your own. I'm really grateful that you figured out how to manage your friendships um, because you're kind and empathetic and understanding. If I am running in to fix it for you all the time, you're not going to learn how to do that. And you might get really used to not being able to fix or manage a problem. 
which is not a helpful parenting skill. You know, like we talked about the idea of those two extremes of parenting, either, you know, um, over managing or, um, you know, breaking them down to build them up or whatever it is. Neither of those are super helpful to raise, you know, humans who are capable of going out into the world and being successful. And so, again, with our parent, with our parents, with our well, parents too, but with our relationship dynamics, whatever that is, being able to set healthy boundaries, communicate expectations, and detach from the outcome, recognizing, well, that's not a me problem. So I am not the problem. If I am not the problem, then I do not need to fix it. I just need to give them support when and if they ask for it, right? And if if I it is something that I need to address, because I do think we do need to take responsibility and accountability for our part in problems, um, then that's mine to manage, right? That is mine to do differently or to change how I address it. But we cannot go with the default setting that I am always the problem, right? I, it's not always my responsibility to fix it for anybody else. And certainly in the dynamic, as I've talked about in therapy, um, you know, and I tell clients often, like, I, I am not a nice lady. <laughs> I won't, you know, just be like, oh, that sucks. Tell me how that feels. Um, I'm going to ask, like, how, do you, how would you do it differently? If you wanted a different outcome, what would be a helpful tool or skill to have? When we talk about how to manage boundaries, um, one, recognize your yes budget, but then also how do you remove yourself from that dynamic or situation such that the other person is able to manage it for themselves? Those are the skills that are helpful to be able to look at it from a different perspective, to be able to recognize, oh, that's not mine to deal with. You know, if you find yourself often, you know, gossiping about other people's bullshit, um, recognizes that a you problem and then it is is it yours to talk about right um i remember working with uh you know early teenagers as 14 is kind of the limit of where i work with but you know when when my daughter was in middle school and she'd come home and have all this like cheese man and talk about all these people and i was like hey that's not really helpful right were you there do you know like that's not helpful for you to sit around talking about so and so's reputation um, if you weren't there to be part of that situation. And so she started to recognize, you know, that was not helpful. And if she saw someone whose maybe reputation was struggling, um, you know, maybe ask, maybe say, hey, I heard this thing. Is that real? Right. We don't want people talking about us. I don't want people talking, you know, mad shit about who I am and what I do. Um, I would much prefer somebody to come and ask me directly. Hey, I heard this happened that's not true. Or that is true. Yes, I did those things. Uh, do you have any other questions about how that is, right? But when we detach from the outcome, when we recognize, okay, there's a problem. Is it a me problem or is it a them problem? If it's a them problem, it is not my job to fix it. It is my job to be here and say, I see you're having a challenge, an issue. I see you're having a feeling. Do you need support, right? And then it gives the other person an opportunity to either ask for support or figure out another way to address it. We got to detach from, oh, I don't want them to be homeless. I don't want them to, you know, be overwhelmed with debt. With debt. I don't want them to be um, ostracized because whatever. Uh, do they want that? Like, you know, really recognizing if they are consciously choosing to do those things, maybe there's a reason. 
maybe it's not yours to fix. Maybe it's yours to observe and give space to and detach from the outcome. All right, there is your nugget. Um, hopefully that was helpful for some of us to detach from the outcome and recognize where we end and where someone else begins to give ourselves some space um, to recognize that you are not always the problem. Consequently, you do not always have to fix it. Um, if you need to get a hold of me, lx2.cod.coach at gmail.com. You can reach me here on Instagram at luna underscore x2 underscore LSC. You can find me on Facebook. Um, I do still have some spots available for coaching and for therapy, uh, but you do need to reach out in order for me to know that. Um, and I will talk to you soon. I'm going to end the video and then I'm going to end the podcast and I will see you guys next week. Take care. All right, we have ended the video and we're going to end the recording of the podcast. Thank you so much to all of my listeners all over um, Indiana, Ohio, Iowa, California, Texas, Nevada. I got one in Maine. Very excited about that. Um, thank you again for listening. And as we get closer to the book being done, I get to start to plan where I'm going to uh, have workshops and do book readings and all of the things. Um, the book is called... <laughs> the book is called Best Intentions, The Things We Do for Love, and it should be out in early spring. I will talk to you guys soon. Take care.